Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Great morning, great morning. That's kind of hype though. Don't I always feel like even like a superhero movie, Loki? I kind of like it. I'm always like, it's like heaven and blessing. It's like, it's kind of Loki hardcore. But hey, my name is Ashton Lorian. Uh, you may know me, you may not. If not, hello. It is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning speaking with everybody. Um, a little bit of update about me is that if you don't know, I go to Moody Bible Institute. Kind of cool. It's a Bible college down in Chicago. Uh, it's, it's a grind. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's, there's all these theological terms, all this stuff. It's really cool. And I've taken on the personal pro- like project of trying to translate and, uh, like, what I'm learning into ways in which I would, for lack of better words, regular people can understand. And so, like, it's just been really cool, been in it, been, like, learning, having tons of conversation. But this semester, I was able to stay back home uh, and save some money and be with my family. Like, what the heck? So, yeah, but, guys. Oh, yeah, by the way, preface, I got energy. So, like, I'll try and refrain from going, like, dummy mode and, like, popping the screen in front of me. But just bear with me. It's kind of deep. I'm talking to you guys today with the people online and in the room because I don't know if you guys remember March 8th, 2020, a year ago, I spoke here at City Life. It was really cool. My first time speaking on a Sunday here, it was beautiful. I don't know if you guys remember. It was, like, a cool little message thing, whatever. But also, like, March 8, 2020 was low-key the last time we met in person. And, like, I kind of felt like I broke the church. But, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I did that. But, like, it kind of felt like that because the next thing I know, like, we are meeting. And then a year and one week, I'm back. And we didn't even plan on it. And y'all are clapping quick. But, like, we might want to pray that we don't break it again or something. I don't know. That's just me. But, I mean, I'm excited for day for today. It's going to be really cool. I'm, I want to, before we even start, like, I just wanted to, like, mention real quick, like, it's kind of cool to see God work in the little things, though. Like, even though, like, it's goofy, like, you know, last, like, last year it kind of broke the church, whatever, or, like, the whole world shut down. But then to be back a year and one week later to see God work in the little things. And I just want to, like, I just want us to tune in just a second to just remind us to look at the little things. Like, if you got a heart or a burden or, like, an excitement to want to go spread the good news, a.k.a. the gospel, a.k.a. Jesus... I want to I encourage you and give you some advice to start building a testament, right? I'm at Bible college. It's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. Uh, you know, we're learning all these things, but a lot of the stuff I learned, it's kind of up for debate. You know, like it's facts and people can kind of try and debunk this and, and refute that. But do you know what people can't refute? Do you know what people can't debunk? Your testimony. So when you build a testament of noticing God in just the littlest of things, just a little bit encouraged. That's not even in the message today. And we got a little another side note, just so we know. But I just want to encourage this, okay? Can we do that? So it's going to be fun and exciting today. And, and again, I wanted to pause because family, today, if you haven't caught it, I don't want to play church. I don't want to play church. I don't want to come in here and, 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 ha- and have some, and just do the check the checklist, you know? And I get it. I know. You're like, this is a younger guy, kind of look like an oversized 12-year-old. I get it. I get it. That's okay. But I also want to kind of challenge this because I think I'm in a really cool position, and I get to offer a different 
viewpoint from my age and from my, from my, like, just my history and my background. And so I want to, rather than, you know, tuning off and be like, man, what's this young cat got to say? Like, just invite me in. Okay. I'm excited for today. So, and, and, and I wanted to also just say like, again, like, like, let's not play church. I don't want us to leave today like, like it isn't special. Okay. Like God hasn't gifted us, not given us. I'm talking gifted us another day. Okay. God's gifted us another day. And so today, let's not try and just get a word or motivation or inspiration and be excited for the week. You know, like slap something on our mirror and our wall and like be excited about it. Okay. So I'm going to pray actually before we even start. And so I'm going to invite God in so that we can actually be changed and we can actually go give impact in this world. So if you want to stand, you can sit, you can kneel. I'm going to kneel. You can have your hands up, your hands to the side, in your pockets. Don't hit your butt. But we just going to pray. Is that cool? In your living room, we're going to pray. Let's do it. God, thank you. God, thank you so much for church. Like sometimes it feels like this is the last place people want to be. There's, there's all these different like immorality issues and and all this drama, and, and it's like, man, like, I don't really know what to wear today, and there's all these levels of depth, but God, you, you love the church. Please don't let us just, like, like, skip past today and act like it's not something special. You're so good, God. You're so powerful. So I'm praying for the person in the living room right now that's tuning in, that's, that's, that feels anxiety and pressure and, and problems all around, and the people in the room that we don't zoom past you, God, but we sit in your presence. So God, speak through me. God, I pray that the, the worship team continues to just, just like, like just declare your goodness and your beauty, God. You're so good. We're excited to see you move today, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Let's go. Come on. We're not playing church. Okay, here we go. So today we're talking about Bible characters. We're in the heaven and Lansing kind of situation, but we're talking about Bible characters. And I haven't told you yet, but I'm going to kind of give you some, like, just before we even get in about the Bible character, I don't want us to get lost on the word, Bible character. Start thinking it's kind of like a figment of your imagination, something you were told before you go to sleep. Fake, myth, legend, you name it. It's not. It is real. It's real. The events that happened in this book actually happened. Like this isn't just something we just read and we just flip through, you know, like whatever. It's, this is real stuff that happened. And the things it says are to come will come to pass. Like we say it all the time here. We won't stop loving the city one life at a time, right? Until he makes all things new. If you're in the living room, say it with me, all things new. We say that all the time, but what does that actually mean? We're not going to stop replacing the hate in Lansing with love. We're not going to stop replacing the, 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 the chaos in Lansing or in the world with peace. Okay? Like the, the division with what? Unity. We're not going to stop until he comes back. And what is he going to do? All things new. There's going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Like, that's going to happen. We're talking about real stuff today, okay? Cool? We're not playing church, right? 
Okay, cool. So today we're introducing a man, a humble guy who by appearance was a ruddy, weird word. I know I haven't used it too much either. Handsome, has some nice looking eyes, kind of reminds me of Torian. It's a good looking cat. <laughs> You're welcome. I threw that in there. This guy right here, he, uh, um, he, he, yeah, he's ruddy. And, and you may not ever heard that sort of adjective. If, if you haven't, I would love to hear, like, again, we're not playing church. So today we're going to kind of talk back. If you in the living room, kind of pretend it's like family feud when, like, you know, you have, like, the question on the thing. And it's like every time you think you got the right answer and you're wrong, you still pretend like you're right. Everybody know what I'm talking about. You know what, you know what I'm talking about. And right there, I want you guys to just, I want you, like, what does ruddy mean? Does anybody have any idea of what ruddy is? The definition? An idea. Weather? Is there weather? Weathered, weathered. Reddish, reddish. Solid. I like it. That's actually, I mean, Miss Pryor trying to come up here and preach, I guess. She got the answers. If I can find the best, tra- the best like, interpretation of what I think the word ruddy means, I'd compare it to somebody who, you know, like, black, white, brown, works outside, and he's, he's, he, they work, he or she works in the sun, and they got the skin, got some wear or tear to it. You know, got some wear or tear to it. It's just weathered. That's a great word to use. And, and so it, regardless, like, it's just like that, that he works in the woods. Like, think that perspective. And so regardless, this, this, he, this guy, he's a shepherd's boy, meaning he tends to his sheep. He, uh, he keeps off predators from his flock. He takes care of them. This is his occupation. This is this person. And this guy, he actually was anointed king. Anointed king, you might be like, what the heck does that mean? That just means he was going to be, he was told he was going to be king, but it actually happened way before he actually assumed the role. You got any ideas on who it could be? We got David. Any other ideas? Esau? Living room? I heard that Solomon. Cool guess, good guess. You're right, David. We refer, we refer to him sometimes as King David. And King David, he's actually got a really cool tagline on the back of his name. It says that he's known for being a man after God's own heart. I kind of like that tagline. I feel like a lot of the times the tagline that comes after my mind is, oh, that dude, he just, he got so much energy and he loves to work out. Blah. And I'm like, I feel like I'd way rather have, like, I, I like to just kind of label that as faith and fitness. That's how I like to do the Ashton Lorian, faith and fitness, whatever. But I feel like David be doing Known for being a man after God's own heart. That's beautiful. So, so David, he, he's had ton, he has tons of drama in his life. He's got, he's got tons of fame, tons of powerful moments. I mean, this guy, he was, like I said, he was anointed. He was actually like, he was anointed king, and he had to run for years from his enemies. He actually, this same guy, he was given a promise that forever and ever and ever, Somebody will reign on the throne in Israel. And you're kind of like, what are we talking about? But that answer, I'll just give you a little bit. It's Jesus. It came from the line of David. So there's this, all this kind of, like this guy that's known for being a, a, a man after God's own heart. He also committed adultery with this dude's wife and sent him out to get killed. He murdered him. But he's still known for being a man after God's own heart. So there's some depth to this dude's story. Just giving you a little bit of a preface, okay? And so today we're going to actually focus on the story in the way beginning of his life. 
right after actually he was anointed. We're going to be focusing on a story that in the ALT, the Ashton Lorian translation calls it, David and this big old fella Goliath. You like that, the ALT? That's kind of cool. So let's set up the story. So you got this boy, or rather a young man who was just anointed and by a prophet to be named in the future king of Israel. All right? So time out. I didn't let you know. Can we unbuckle from, from our like seats right here and, and kind of buckle into the narrative of the Bible? Like, can we loon, like, lean in? Like, I'm about to tell a story today. And I want to like, think of like when, you were, like when you tell your kids, if you have them, and you tell them that story and how like they're just enamored by like your storytelling skills. I'd appreciate that. That'd be kind of cool. But I'm not asking for y'all to like do that necessarily. But I want you guys to tune in. Okay? So but I want to buckle in, okay? For the narrative of the Bible, we end the bus now, okay? So we're here. So again, so this boy, rather young man, was just anointed by a prophet to be named future king of Israel. Now, in this time, there isn't a lot of kings in Israel. Actually, there's only been one. This big old fella, kind of good looking, again, not Torian this time, more like a Devin. You know, taller, good looking. Uh, but he didn't, no disrespect to Devin, he didn't follow the Lord completely. Okay? And so he didn't follow the Lord completely. But at that time, so then God said, I'm going to anoint a new king. Not replace him at the moment. So Saul, this guy is still in the king. This is the setting of the story. Saul's still the king, but he's not following the Lord completely. So God says, you know what? I'm going to look for a new king. And the, 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 the um, criteria he's looking for is not one that is by man's eyes. Okay, so not someone that by man's eyes may stack up to look like a king. But his heart is in the right place. A.K.A. that's David. So he's anointed for, for the king, but he's not a king yet. And so he's actually working for the king's staff at this time, David. He's working for Saul. You got the names? And so at this time, he's working for the, king's, uh, the king, and, and he comes around and he says, uh, it comes around in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it goes in and it says, uh, it, it lets us know that Israel is at war with a longtime enemy called the Philistines. And so we're going to jump in. Remember, we're in Bible mode. So now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damin and between Soka and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elahan, drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So think this, right? Think big army right here, Israel, okay? I want you to envision it. Big army right here. And then on this side, think big army, Philistines. And what's in between them? Living room? I heard you. Valley. Nice. So the story continues. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Check this. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale, armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. He goes, uh, on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. I don't know what that means. And its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer, his shield bearer went out uh, ahead of him. So basically what I want to let you know, I don't know what the weaver's rod thing really means, but what I do know is this dude was huge. And I'm talking like massive, all right? Like there's speculation he was anywhere from 6'9 to like 9'8. And I know you're like, dude, that's a big difference. But the idea is he's big. 
and he's covered in armor. Like this dude is no joke. Like this dude comes out, right? And so as he leaves the Philistine camp, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Can I get in his character? Do you mind? Okay. You don't mind living room? So why do you come out? Oh, wait, wait, I didn't do it. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Here we go. Let's go. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So you're probably like, what's going on? We're at church right now. What's he talking about? So the situation is, instead of inciting war and bloodshed of so many, the Philistines and Goliath say, hey, why not a one-on-one fight? I feel like it's economically more sustainable, you know, rather than smoking all of your men. He's like, why not just come together? One-on-one fight. Let's settle this, right? Let's do it. The loser's army then has to serve, be the servants of the, the winner, right? And so you're thinking, you're like, oh, this is a cool story. But then the spotlight changes. And it zooms back to our boy, David. And so it says, now Jesse, Jesse, who's Jesse? That's David's dad. He says, take this epith of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. And take along these 10 cheeses, okay, to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are doing and, and bring back some assurance from them. And so they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So, so David... Shepherd's boy, remember him, ruddy guy, parents kind of look like Torian, whatever. He basically gets the cool job of running peanut butter jellies and string cheese to the battlefield. It's a real glamorous job. Sounds really, really fun, actually. Um, and remember, he's anointed king, so he's got that con in his life, but he's having to run and go pass out string cheese and peanut butter and jellies. That sounds awesome. And so, but he heads to the battlefield. And he, and, he, and, he, and he kind of walks up slow. He's hearing this like voice in the background, real deep kind of voice. You're kind of a little bit like, what's going on? But he witnesses Goliath humiliating, humiliating the whole army. Goliath's coming against them, kind of coming against their God. And so David's response is he's, oh, he's fuming. You ever heard of like, I'm not coming at anybody's head today. Have you ever heard of like SMS? Sure. I ain't saying it like that. I ain't saying it anyway, God. But I'm just saying, David's mad and he's little. So he, he's, he's mad. He's actually infuriated of how someone could come against the Lord's army like that with that much disrespect to my people. And so as he continues to walk around the camp, he's saying, oh, surely someone's about to pop off and, and, and go fight this, little, this big homie. Right? But he continues to walk around the camp. And he's, he kind of leans in on a conversation over here. And leans in on a conversation over here, and people just like these. <laughs> and he's saying, and he, and he sees the fear gripping his fellow comrades, and he's saying, man, what is to be done of this? So, as any relatively smaller man would do, without a doubt, with zeal and passion, David runs to the king and says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Imagine that. He runs in with his hands on his hip. He said, have no fear. David's here. He's serious. 
He just holds it, looking at Saul. Right? And so he, so Saul responds, and it's, it's kind of comical. We're all like, yo, this is kind of goofy. But remember, this stuff is actually happening. So it's almost com- comical because this boy, not only like, it's like, all right, you know, whatever. Like, you want to go lose your life, cool. But you want to fight on behalf of Israel. Like, I'm going to have to, like, rub Goliath's nasty fungus toes. Like, what do you mean if we lose this battle? Like, I'm going to have to go serve their, their whole army. Like, what do you mean you want to fight on behalf of Israel? Like, like, I can just imagine being like Saul like this. And so he responds as any logical person would do. He said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. But David goes, it's not on the screen because I want you to feel it. All right. Just so you know, if you're like, man, he forgot that. I did it. Your servant, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. This is David talking to Saul, the king. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. That feels kind of cool. You're like, oh, but I imagine Saul just being like, leadership mode, you're just like, you got nobody else though. Nobody else is stepping up to the plate. You just got this boy who said, remember? And just like that, David persuades Saul to allow him to fight for Israel. So as any wise person would do, Saul dresses David in his own tunic. He put a coat of uh, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to it. He's kind of walking around like this. He said, "Like, man, I gotta feel this in." And then, and, and, and I mean, but think about it. Like, we're going against a giant here. Like, we gotta strap up. Like, if it's me, I'm I'm throwing everything on. You feel me? And he's kind of walking around. But this next part I want us to, it's really important because this is where I really want us to, like, to sit in today. Because he resp- David responds. He says, I can't, you know, go in these. Because I'm just, I'm sorry, Saul. I'm just not, I'm not used to him. So he took him off. He grabs his staff. He chooses five smooth stones from the stream, puts them in the, the, the pouch uh, of his shepherd's bag. With his sling in his hand, he approaches this Philistine. And so as David approaches Goliath, the Philistine, he says, you come against me. This is David, remember, ruddy, small. Goliath, big, probably smells weird. You come against me with the sword and spear, and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. It's a big mistake. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. The very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear spear that the Lord says for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you all of you into our hands. 
First off, it's a really dope intro speech to a fight. Second off, if I was Goliath, advice, yeah, again, 22-year-old, but I'm, I mean, you know, middle school, high school, got in a couple scraps. If anybody came up, talking about they live, they, they on the side, fighting on behalf of the Lord, they fight for the army of the Lord, to move out the way. You feel me? But Goliath moves closer. And, and he moves closer to attack him. So David, he runs quickly toward the battle line. He, he reaches into his bag. He, he takes out a stone. He, he struck homie right in the forehead. The stone sank into his head and then, the, and, and he fell, he falls face down. Think like Thanos mode. He's just like, boom, like smoked him. And it's like, David, if you're not catching it, David killed Goliath. He triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Y'all hear? He did it. Like he did it. He, like this is main event, pay-per-view, 250 point underdog. He did it. He killed the, the Philistine. Or did he? Y'all like, why is he doing this? Or did he? See, David, David trusted in the Lord. David didn't trust in the things of the world. David trusted in the Lord, but didn't trust in the things of the world. See, See, the story is special for David because God was actually the one who slayed Goliath. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, like David truly had no choice, chance if it was David alone. I mean, he would have been boop, 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 world star, just pop, pop. Viral 30-second knockout, boom. Humiliated, destroyed. But who strengthened him? God did. Who protected him? God did this. Who slayed Goliath? God did. See, see, he gets the Lord because he removed the obstacle that was in front of David. See, he gets the glory because he removed the obstacle that was in front of Israel. He removed the obstacle in the story. I'm talking about stories here. What's in front of you? What's in front of you? Is it jobs? Is it sins? Is it addiction? Is it forgiveness? Is it a calling? I mean, what huge thing is set before you? And if you're not catching it, you don't slay Goliath alone. You don't conquer those things alone. God does. Because most of the time, we kind of respond like the Israelites. We shake in our boots. How are you going to remove this thing from me, God? How am I supposed to become unaddicted? How am I supposed to, to, to know what to do with these jobs and all these things? God is the one who delivers us from the hand of the Philistine. 
or from the mouth of a lion or from the paw of a bear or from a porn addiction or from a, a crumbling marriage or from forgiveness for a parent or from crippling anxiety and fear. God does this, not David, not me, not you. God does. But so often we think we're the ones to protect us. So we get the biggest armor to strap us in and keep us safe. Whatever can protect us, shields, armors, like helmets, swords, everything. But y'all think I'm talking about just like, just metal armor, huh? Y'all think I'm just talking about bronze and uh, shields of, of like wood and swords and Good right there. We think so often we have to protect ourselves. So we think the things we cover up on will protect us. So the lies, the money maybe will protect me. Like, like I'll go out in strength because I got money. I'll go out in strength because I got a degree. I'll defeat this because I got friends and people that can cover it up. Or, you know what? What about just a statement? I'm good. I'm good. I'll be protected. No one's got to get deep with me. I'm good. We love Jerome, but he looks goofy. Because we're dressing up ourselves up in things that don't even fit us. This thing is almost twice as big as him. You feel me? See, David was so comfortable in his own skin. He knew not to move in things that weren't in his identity. But are we? Because God is our shield. Half the time, we don't even help. God fights our battles. Half the time, we gripped in fear. We think this degree, I know it's going to hurt to take that helmet off, but try That degree that covers your head, you know, you think you feel safe from it? That won't. All these things. We walk around in boots that are for sure three times as big that he does not need. I want to ask you guys today to actually ask God. I'm asking you to ask God to make us feel uncomfortable with the things of this world. And be comfortable with that of the Lord. His strength. His help, his giftings and weapons he has placed inside of us. It was cool because David went back to his staff. David went back to his slingshot. The things he was familiar with because he was faithful all those years prior. Right? But so often we want to dress up in things that we think will protect us. Or we keep dressing ourselves in things that don't fit us. What about you? What is that for you? My, my question and my point is today. Yeah, give it up for Jerome. He killed that. He didn't even like really smile that much. That's actually awesome. We coached in the back. It was awesome. So my point today is this right here. Put confidence in the Lord. not confidence in the things of this world. And you may be thinking today, 
wait, wait. Ashton, I've always tried to protect myself with these kind of things. And it's really cool because I consider myself family and I love you. And there's so much love for you. And there's so much grace for you. But I think in love, in grace, there's a really cool thing where we can challenge each other. And so I want to challenge you to take, to take this message seriously. To replace our confidence in like the world and place it and put it in God and his strength and in his armies. He will provide. He will protect. And we act faithful on behalf of that. We go and move and take those steps in confidence, right? Because the job's not just going to come up and knock on your door, right? Most of the time, it's not going to be like, like, oh, I got a $60,000 job right here. Came up right to your door, breakfast in bed. No. We still have to act and step into our calling and into our identities so we know when something doesn't fit. You hear that? Like, I mean, there's so many different examples, but like, like, we have to step into these things. If you want to get married, you got to plan right, right? You got to step into things. We have to be doing this. We have to. But my question is, where is your confidence? Where is your confidence? In you? In the world? love you and I challenge you to put it in the Lord. I know this is deep and a little bit heavy. You're like, okay, guest speaker. Good job, Ashton. But I do want us to wrestle with this. And I do want us to leave with this. Where am I holding on to? And I don't know if everyone knows this, but when you think about that and you think about the things that you try and protect, it, it kind of exploits insecurities and your problems and your burdens and your pain and, and all of this hurt. But you got somebody calling you home. You got somebody calling you home who wants to take all your burdens, who wants to take all your pain, who wants to take all your problems, anxieties, crumbling marriage, like addiction, he wants to take it all. And this man right here, this God, 100% man, 100% God, he loves you. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he loves you so much, but he wants you to trust him and put your confidence in him. Romans 10.9 says, if you openly confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, guess what it says? You will be saved. Saved. That don't mean it's going to be easy. But you're going to be saved. You're going to be saved. And so you pray that in your own language, however you may do that, just like that, you are home. And so we're going to, worship team's about to, to jump on a little song. I think we're going to do the blessing. And I want us to, if you want to stand in here, if you want to stand in your living room, I'm going to pray for us. You can stand right now, actually. If you're in your living room, you can stand right now. If you're in your PJs, that's okay. But we're going to pray. God, please, 
please, God, encourage and, and, and invite people home, God. I pray people, they, they, they remove their confidence in the world and place it in the Lord, in you, God. I pray you do something so, so great. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing Podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.